When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall of Podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Kozala. I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is my curse, my burden. But to you, the listener, is what keeps you coming back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the skeptic, the voice of the people, the little devil on my shoulder, Kristen Stuttered. Hey, Kristen. Hello. I like to think I'm actually the reason they keep coming back. They like to... uh to hear their voice represented. I don't think, I think they're here as for a, me. As a maniac rambles, <laughs> they want to hear how they would respond to his lunacy. Kristen. Yes. Do you know what month we're in? Good God. Uh, Podtober? Pod, pod, we Octopod? are. Crosstober. We are Cross-tobe-pod. in. Crosstober. Crocstober. Oh my God. A month-long crossover theme where we are crossing over with uh, podcasts. This month is meant to uh, both uh, get perspectives from, you know, different podcasts, whether they be, um, you know, last week we did country. uh, Two weeks ago we did songs that suck. Um, (laughs) This week, happy to bring on some guys from the Dad Bod Rap Pod podcast about hip hop. Let's bring them in. uh, Nate LeBlanc and Damone Carter. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, I believe this is our first time on a a rock-centric pod, so we're always happy to spread our wings a little bit. Absolutely good to be here on Cross Pod. October. Don't try. It's terrible. <laughs> it's worse than anything. It's impossible to remember. It sounds like it's about crocs or crocodiles or yeah. who's to say it won't the conversation won't end up there. I'm not here to, <laughs> to gate to gatekeep. All those rap crocodiles. Although I guess I mean crocs are now street fashion suddenly. So yeah, I mean happens. I'm a pretty big sneaker person and seeing the croc section grow in the sneaker store has been a big uh surprise to me. Yeah, the croc drop is going to be the new thing that's happening. That's a real wow. thing. Jeff Staple uh, just put out some crocs where you put in the little pin and it looks like you have bird's feet. And uh, people like that. I'm not people, but people <laughs> like that. Guess oh, what? We ended up wow. talking about crocs somehow. So it turns out my my extremely bad pun that was made to specifically enrage you, Kristen, and for no other reason, turns out it was a prophecy that was uh, fulfilled. But uh <laughs> Moving away from the topic of Crocs, I would like you guys to, for our listeners, kind of let them know what your podcast is all about. Dad Bod Rap Pod is a podcast. Uh, we are two thirds of the hosts. It's three dudes of a certain age arguing about uh, rap shit. Rap's golden era eras were in the late 80s and uh, early 90s for a lot of folks. And so most cats our age are kind of checked out of the culture. And so what we try to do is make the connection from the rap you remember was good to the rap that's that's really good today, of which there's quite a bit. And so that's that's what we do. We interview 
rappers. Uh, we interviewed DMC. I was trying to find the connection between folks in the hall and folks that we talked to. We, we got to talk to DMC um, amongst a bunch of other rappers. And um, yeah, it's good times. We're pulling up on five years. Episode 250 will go down um, in a couple months. So, Ooh, well, congratulations. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'll say DMC, and I don't think too many people know this, DMC is a very recent addition to the Rock Hall nominating committee. Oh, that's cool. Oh. So he's on the the group. He's with the group that comes up with the ballot every year. That's awesome. Hope he remembers our name when we get to the podcasting section in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> and what's kind of interesting about DMC is that, you know, I think he obviously he was brought on to, you know, lend some hip hop cred. He's a fan of all types of music. And we know. I was going to say, have we said this on the show before? That we, the thing that we. Know? I, I've heard. I've heard a little. A little birdie told me that uh, he nominated Carly Simon this year. I, I can see that. I can see that. DMC definitely um, comes from a time in New York radio where black and white music was not stratified. So I think there's a lot of cats from that era that are as much, you know, Carly Simon as they are Al Green, uh, and he's definitely one of those cats. So. And I'll just say I have a lot of anticipation to see who he nominates next. <laughs> Very good. Very well done. Uh, yeah. And also, I mean, you listen to Run DMC and you're like, oh, this is, uh, clearly there is rock in this music. You can tell that they come from a place of rock appreciation specifically. Or they worked with Rick Rubin. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Rick Rubin was like, we go get paid, kids. Watch this. Right. I promise you, you do an Aerosmith cover. Because that is the story. They were like, they hated it. What the hell is this? No, we could maybe rap over this, but we're not going to cover this. Yeah, I think Ruben will will likely get into the hall. Oh, yeah, yeah he will absolutely get in. I think we're in. The, we are. I mean, we talked about this a lot on the show, but we're like that is where this category of like musical excellence is heading. It's heading into producers. Like that is going to be mm-hmm. just more and more. I mean, well, I mean, I guess with Jimmy Iovine getting in this year too and just more and more i think you're gonna see i think like timbaland gets in in this category i think you're gonna see that happen more and more i bet ruben gets in as non-performer because he's not like a musically trained or like inclined producer and because he started a label as well but you know he's the type of producer famously who just like vibes like he he's not (laughs) he doesn't get behind the board he's not like an engineer he doesn't play instruments, but he's just like, I think maybe do this. And he's he just has a talent for like whatever. Smiling be typically are. and rocking back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's called non-performer. Well, now oh. it's called the Ahmet Erdogan Award, but it was previously the non-performer. And that's oh kind of what God. it means. Because Jimmy Iovine is in as that. Oh, he's getting the um. Is there yeah. one Ahmet? There can only be one Erdogunner Erd- every year, or I mean, or as we... of the last few years, I mean, Alan Grubman, who we were talking off mic before the show, I guess Jan Wenner, coming out with sharing our opinions that Grubman is a suspect induction, but he's uh, an Erdogan inductee this year. So there's as is, two as this is, year. As is Sylvia Robinson, who you know is I think we'll we'll talk about today our first hip-hop Ahmet Erdogan recipient because most of the like label heads have been outside the realm or they have been like tangential whether it's like Seymour Stein signed Ice-T but you know Sylvia Robinson obviously it's like 
Sugar Hill Records was a hip hop label. But she was a performer. She's an R&B singer. Yeah. Uh, I have a copy of Pillow Talk somewhere on the shelf right behind us. Right. Yeah. And there's Mickey and Sylvia. And there's, you know, she has a, a long, interesting career of a lot of different things. But was Clarence Avant uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Ahmed Erdogan mm-hmm. as well? So okay, typically, so if you, it's just if, a whole big category. If you started a label, they're going to probably put you in that. Okay, you know, if, so, if you were like Shug Knight, then that's coming up <laughs> when he gets released in 2000. <laughs> yes, he's he's wheeled out like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, straight um, from. <laughs> he'll do it. It'll be like straight to the Rock Hall. It'll be like um, Snoop. So yeah, I want to get from from both you guys. I, you know, you do a hip hop podcast, so I gotta know what your reference level is for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because for most people, it's it's very little. Yeah. Um, to answer the prompt of your show, I don't. Um, it's not something <laughs> that I, I really follow the comings and goings of, but I grew up in a classic rock household. Like we subscribed to Rolling Stone and we listened to the Beatles and Bob Dylan and Neil Young. And like those guys are my heroes still to this day. So I understand the kind of lionization of the major figures, but as it's kind of shifted down through generations and at seeing who they choose to honor from hip hop, it's something I think we always look at a, a little asconce. We're like, oh, that's weird, but not something we really take seriously. And I don't think it's any kind of marker of hip hop excellence in any way. But it is kind of fascinating to see who they, uh, you know, put the sword on their shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. I, I echo most of Nate's sentiments there. I think for us, it's always a jumping off point to be like, A, who the fuck are they to be to be choosing? Uh, mm-hmm. And then B, we go, why don't we have a hip hop? museum why 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 are we relying on on the uh the rock establishment tonight hip-hop legends and so i think we do like a a three-minute bit about that about once every two years i think we talked (laughs) nwa got in and that's pretty much it yeah it's really a marker of popularity more than anything like we we talk about say with a certain segment of the population (laughs) yeah there you go yeah good qualifier yeah it's you know if Nate's exactly. dad knows about it, that is, <laughs> that is the tier of people that are getting into the rock and roll fucking Hall of Fame. That's one of the categories. <laughs> when we talk about artists on our show, the last category is, does our mom know who they are? Mm-hmm. That's like the mm-hmm. final category for like, will they get in the hall? If our moms know who they are, their shots, their chances are much better. Knowing yeah. that our moms don't know who they are although did you did your mom know like roxy music and stuff uh i don't i don't think so so one slips in every once in a while okay but it's like yeah that well, is can't the, be the only qualifier but it is a good qualifier. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's a the good, most important like, one metric probably. yeah so there are 11 hip-hop inductees into the rock hall including this year uh and including our first non-artist you know non-performer category sylvia how Robinson. many can make name right now Oh boy, uh, that's a great question. Run DMC, good. LL Cool J, mm-hmm. the BC Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm running out of '80s <laughs> Def Jam acts really fast. Uh, Grandmaster Flash, yeah. Mm-hmm. Include, does that include Furious Five or just Grandmaster yeah. Flash? Yeah, Furious himself? Five. Yes. Furious Five. Grandmaster there. Flash and the Furious Five. Um, Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you hear the one Damone said? No. NWA. Oh, yeah. NWA. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to tap out there before I embarrass myself. LL? Did we say LL? You said, you said LL. LL. It's basically the entire mid-80s Def Jam roster is, on, say, is, is in the, the hall. Def Jam roster? Yeah. yeah. No Slick Rick, though. 
No. And so the ones you're missing are you've got Jay-Z. I'm let me see if I can fill it out. I'm like trying to remember. <laughs> it shouldn't be like difficult for you. We talk about it every single week. <laughs> and yet I don't even remember what pun month we're in. The uh, listeners yeah, so, know. So Jay-Z was last year. I want to see if Nate and Damone can get you're missing two people who are often in the dis- in the discussion of like greatest of all time. Yeah, the, the other, Tupac. there yeah, you go. Exactly. It's like oh, the, the, okay. the other, like, okay. there it goes. Beep, beep, okay. beep. So you either had to be on Def Jam in the 80s or the greatest rapper of all time. Yep. <laughs> Coastal <laughs> editions. Uh-huh. Yeah, East and West Coast representation. <laughs> Jay-Z, sure. shockingly recent. I know he, you know, we know his career goes back to the early 90s with original flavor and jazzo, but he's the most contemporary artist in that mix. He's still and making Until this year. And now Eminem this Eminem. year. Eminem. I'm going to stick to my statement. Yeah. Jay-Z is still making records that matter now. Yeah, fair enough. Jay-Z got in last year. That was his first year eligible, mm-hmm. though, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's yeah. like they've all gotten in on their first ballot. So it's yeah. like, usually it's like one of the greats will get in on their first ballot. You'll kind of like have it like that. With LL's induction, it was like something that just, you know, he wound up getting in in a side category just to kind of like, put him in so that you can justify having Eminem get in. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know the oh, politics yeah. behind well, that. Well, I mean, this yeah. is this is speculation, but it just felt like if we were going to keep going with hip hop without putting LL in, it already looked kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, when you put in when you put in Tupac before LL, that's silly. Um, he was but- on the ballot six times. And I can not getting in. I can kind of walk you guys through so since 2005, there has been at least one hip hop artist on every single ballot. So, you know, not necessarily trying to give credit to the hall, but they have tried. You know, there has been, and that starts with Grandmaster Flash, who were on the ballot 2005, didn't get in, 2006, didn't get in, and then 2007 is when they finally got in. And then the next year, you actually have two. You have the Beastie Boys' first appearance their first year eligible they do not get in that year you also have an artist who has only been on the ballot once still is not in legacy is a little complicated now but africa bambata yeah right i mean it's just like damone would like to comment on that please (laughs) (laughs) don't go on the record my partner uh wow Yeah, that's I mean, the, tough one. The, the, yeah, that's one we won't be seeing again. Not the Planet Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when the allegations like that are so grim, it's difficult to separate the art from the artist. That kind of like hypothetical that we Absolutely. we wish yeah. we could do. Because yes. um, Bambata should be in, but uh, it's does why, he have a good why? album? Hey, that's hey, you're he's you're got like three reading, amazing singles. You're reading I don't know off if he's a rock and roll hall of fame guy. The, the list, the list that includes the does my mom know them question. Yeah. Uh, and one of them is classic albums. And yeah. Yeah. But nobody got in 2008. And then you got Run DMC, their first year eligible getting in the next year. And then 2010 is where we started the LL stuff. That was so his question first year eligible. for you guys. Do they think LL is on steroids because he's so swole and this is like the baseball Hall of Fame thing? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's juicing. Yeah, we can't. Uh, we definitely we actually on. we can't go on comment. Lips are oh, wet. Bi- biceps are massive. But you have to, you know, look at the early days when he was on the Pittsburgh Pirates and young and svelte <laughs> and in a kangle, <laughs> killing the game. You think you were getting baseball jokes with us? Yeah, I kind of look. And only because my time is about to be up here. I think the Rock Hall is doing admirable work in the sense of not putting Eminem first. 
Like I totally, I totally agree. I know there was, a, I'm sure there was conversations every year of like, we got to get. Eminem. When do we get to put Eminem in? Yeah, well, this is his first year eligible. So this is, so you know, this is what, he's getting in on, on? 25, 25 years from your first uh, recording. Oh, release. got it, got because I'm like, did he retire? Hopefully. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, he's still out there. He's, he's do still... they count his first like Interscope records or because that Infinite any recording, was any recording that, that would be like okay. available to anyone? So, in this oh, okay. case, it would okay. be Infinite, which was okay. you know an album nobody listened to, but it did come out in '96. So, his best work, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and we think that part of the reason too that they put in LL last year was for that reason, being that you can't start putting in like Eminem on his first ballot and you still don't have LL Cool J in the hall. That's a shitstorm. He, he wasn't getting the support from the from the popular vote was the problem. I think people see him as an entertainer in a different right now, and I think they forget about kind of how influential and formative he was. He's the first, you know, solo artist to yeah. break uh break through and stuff. And just people were not people see him as the host of Lip Sync Battle and they see him as like right. NCIS or whatever. And I think they don't remember. Even and though so, he's on the Grammys every year as part of a medley. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, but who's watching the Grammys? Yeah, good question. Uh, but then again, who's voting in the Rock Hall? So who knows? Maybe some Grammy watchers are voting in the Rock Hall. <laughs> And the thing you guys might not know is that they put him in a special category that was outside the voting. Wow. Mm -hmm. So yeah. a little bit of a pity vote? You, we didn't say that. Okay. You didn't wow, hear us say that's that. Shocking. We but did not say it that. It was kind of the hall saying, okay, after six attempts to put him on the ballot, he's not getting the votes. We are stepping in and making an executive decision. Wow. Saying we were not taking no for an answer. LL has to get in, which honestly I support because the voting system is fucked. So if it's not giving you the results you need, and this 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 kind of started with LL. It seems like they're going to do this every year. They did it with Judas Priest. If there's an artist that's just not going to get in on the ballot, but kind of needs to be in, and everyone understands that, they're going to put them in a separate category, but treat them like it's a normal induction. So mm -hmm. like the lay person doesn't know, but mm -hmm. you know. We we will always know the asterisk. Well, he absolutely like tore the roof off the sucker. Like last year, it was like unbelievable. Yeah, I, I suggest checking that out. I mean, like being in the room is, is his performance. Is, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like he he was the absolute highlight of the of the night. He he's he, a great rapper and a great performer. And I still think, and I've said this on our show, he's still what people think of when they think of rapper. It's like he set the standard for what a rapper looks and acts like and the kind of level of bravado and jewelry and kind mm -hmm. of the the presentation of that. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, as a solo performer, Kristen, in an era of groups, he's just like set that standard. And I don't, I don't know if you should be penalized by uh, branching out of that and becoming more of an entertainer. I don't know if you guys know this. He runs and curates the Sirius XM station, Rock the Bells. Rock the Bells, yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a cool. huge fan of that. And I think what he does to keep the kind of Park Jam era and the kind of the earlier incarnations of hip-hop at the forefront of people's minds who listen to the kind of throwback stuff is really important. He should get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for that. So besides his, you know, three great albums, his probably close to 20 great singles and guest appearances and defining what a rapper is in the public imagination, like good on the Rock Hall for sneaking him in, him in through the side door. But um, that's a little sad. Yeah, it was it was disappointing in some ways. But again, if you attended that ceremony or watched the ceremony just on the HBO thing, you would have no idea that he was not just 
being inducted regular style like they did not he first of all did the best performance of the night and then he he like brought out j-lo he brought out eminem as it was like surprise yeah it was really everybody was on their feet it was uh really incredible the dancers not good though Get some b-boys just, but, you well, know. i'm in just cleveland's finest b-boys up there on stage <laughs> and that is all i can say matching white hoodies I, you know white hoodies, very basic you just know almost like rock, just just literally up rock step for the it was entire song it was really that was that but, was the that was the lamest part of his induction the rest of it was very very good but those dancers they really that is the best i could say cleveland's finest b-boys really hit the stage with him so <laughs> Uh, now, Damone, are we going to lose you? Are you? Are you? Do you have yeah, to ask me something weird and controversial so I can give you a clip. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the last thing I will ask you is: you get a golden ticket. You get to put a hip hop artist into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right now. It doesn't have to go through voting, a ballot, or anything. Someone who you think, you know, I kind of told. We went through who's in already. Who yeah. should be in there that isn't? That isn't. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go Jay Dilla. Okay. Yeah. We even as hip hop are just reckoning with his genius. There's a great book that Dan Charnas did called Dilla Time that just came out. I hear they're working right. the documentary. Um, but that's gonna be. I mean, yes. If you crown me to do it, it would happen uh, tomorrow. This is gonna be one of those things in 20 years where his genius is is fully comprehended and. Uh, they've been able to sell enough stuff off of this corpse that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pays attention. All right. I love it. That, I will leave y'all. Be well. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us, Damon. And now we hone in. Now it's two against one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's us versus you, John. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Now, yeah, now it's not three against one. It's two. Against one. I, just kind of going back to we were going through the years kind of documenting who's been on the ballot you know we they started to put ll on the ballot in 2010 they did it again in 2011 they got the beastie boys coming back again 2011 no dice for either of them 2012 is finally when the beastie boys do get in on their third appearance on the ballot sadly i mean like it could have been sadder but it was like right when mca was his uh, health was failing yeah so he lived to see his induction but he was not well enough to attend and they did not perform Aww. and so that was bittersweet at the very Absolutely. least he especially got to know when you consider who performed the tribute who did nate i want you to i don't know if, if you can pull it but if you had to guess if you had to put yourself in the shoes of an out of touch show producer and you had to make a beastie boys tribute and you're bad at your job. What year is this? 2012. Okay, I'm trying to think of who was popular then. That's always how These they do it, These people are right? not even well, popular that's also, then. This you is, have to let's think, again, remember. you're not good at your job. <laughs> oh, wow. And that tends to be an issue with the Rock Hall is like, why is Rob Thomas inducting Chicago in 2016? You right. know, like, what is... Where is the connection there? Yeah. We're, and we're why now? This is seems 16 years too late. Uh, who would have done like, uh, did they have like the lonely Island or something like that? I wish that would honestly yeah. have been wonderful. I'm I would have loved boy for life. that. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, for yeah, sure, no, they, like, they just do truly. the donkey roll and say, yes. goes in. I mean, that'd be very, Sorry, I answered as if I were doing it, uh, yeah. but I would be no, good. You'd at be job. good but at you're, job. you're on the right track in terms of, uh, race. Mm. Okay. I had a feeling. 
Um, what is this? Some 2012 era or even before? Go like you're gonna have to. You gotta go before. At least a decade prior. Were they rappers? Kind of. Technically, kind of rappers. Who's the worst person you could think? Think of Vanilla Ice. Popular white rapper. You're on the right. You're on the the writer track. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I, You're gonna I, tap out. I can't put it together. His is name is Kid. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't Kid have Rock even himself. thought about that. Is Kid Rock in the Hall of Fame? No, but he God, shows no. up a lot. He He's will around. be someday, right? Will I don't Kid think, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't think so. I think no, he I don't think so. I think, I think his alliance. Yeah, I think his political alliances will will. Was this before that? This is pre MAGA, right? Yeah, this yeah. is 2012. Okay. So I'm sure he still had those opinions. Like, we just didn't know about them yet. Yeah, he hasn't gone like full nuge. I was in rural Oregon doing karaoke not too long ago, and I am not exaggerating when I say that picture <gasps> was done as a duet three different times that wow. night three good, di- and i was there God. for probably three hours and one guy did it twice with two different women wow player that is yeah truly it was uh, great my man. new islands in the stream yeah my. i found your picture today i swear i'll change my way and you also had god What's his? What's the guy? The guy from Gym Class Heroes, like oh yeah, uh, Travis, Travi McCoy, Trav- yeah, Travi McCoy, and then there was a third guy who. Like, I mean, the, suck. obviously, uh, obviously, Questlove is always going to be involved in this kind of stuff. So he yeah. was. So they uh, they were going rap rock, which so they stopped listening to the Beastie Boys in 1985. Yeah. Wait, but who yeah. was the third one? You had Questlove and some of the some of the roots kind of backing them up. I think Black Thought. Oh, but took, it was just the two or... of them doing the rap. Oh, I think okay. yeah, and which is like yeah, Black Thought is obviously Black Thought's fine. Yeah. When you think yeah. Beastie Boys and their huge cultural footprint, you just immediately think Black Thought. Yeah, you're like absolutely like same school of emceeing <laughs> of just kind of like loosely string non sequiturs and uh, cultural references. Then then you just extend that timeline out. You get Black Thought, the greatest rapper of all time. I'm I'm kidding, obviously. Um, <laughs> And you had you had Questlove occasionally, you know, chiming sure. in uh, sure, sure, sure. on on some stuff. But yeah, I mean, they're great as a backing band for things, and like obviously they are, you know, they're hip to what the Beastie Boys are trying to do. That that's like the Kid Rock thing is still resonating with me. It's a, it's a little shocking. Yeah, it's gonna he probably actually was influenced by them. I believe. Yeah, it. he was, but I don't need. To, I love the Beastie Boys. Me too. I, and I, I was great furious. Yeah. I was furious. Like that makes me mad. And not that I, the, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Boutique I, is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. There was a time when I had every sample and reference and lyric memorized. And they actually kind of make sense for a rock and roll hall of fame, given the kind of uh, beginning as a punk band and transitioning later into their kind of loungy instrumental era. And, you know, the, crossover stuff on license to ill you could talk about them as a legit case of not only bringing so many different kind of suburban you know the euphemism we all use Mm -hmm. uh people into the hip-hop stadium literally but being a legit rock act sabotage is more of an alternative rock song Mm -hmm. than it is a Mm -hmm. hip-hop song like we we could have a really robust conversation about whether or not whether they had made paul's boutique or uh you know get it together featuring q-tip at all maybe they would be a good person to reside in the rock and roll hall. They've made like rap and rock records, but thankfully they don't make rap rock. Totally. Mm. And yeah, they keep it that separate. Is like so instrumental, if you will. I mean, is sabotage the closest thing to yeah. them doing rap rock? 
yes, I don't think it's rap, but it's though. not. It's just kind of well. It's like scream. It's like punk. It, I, I think it's that's not rapping in my way. I understand rapping. But... They're they're just singing. <laughs> But it does have scratches in it, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, but so, so does every new metal record. Right, that's, that's what, like, and I hate new metal, but yeah. I love Sabotage, and I love the Beastie Boys, but I hate what they have wrought mm -hmm. in that <laughs> regard. Um, it's so, funny, they became eligible because of their rock work. Polywog Stew was a punk record from 82, and they were nominated in 2008, which, you know, would have made that their eligibility-defining record so it's weird how that sometimes works out but i will also say something that we talk about on the show a lot with regard to like genre and such is that and wow it's been a little while since i've said it sorry to our listeners i say it all the time but rock is counterculture right it's like what the kids are listening to to piss off their parents if you use that as the metric that is what rap is it is the genre of the youth that's what rock was Rock is not that genre, like in that regard. And that I think is what has led to rap being just included in the umbrella or the idea of rock. If you embrace it in that way and think about it as though, yeah, it's what the kids mm -hmm. are into these days. Yeah, which kind of makes it the dominant form of culture for the last 20-ish years with, mm -hmm. in terms of hip hop anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, I follow what you're saying. It's not wrong. It's just, I, I don't think they flow from one another. I think they are separate streams. And like, we could debate that musicologically or sociologically, um, I think probably for the rest of the time, but I just think it, it uh, derives from a different stream of influences and um, who knows if you go, it depends how far you go back, but I mean, yeah. well, we do talk about that too. Joe's old school argument is the role of rock and roll. It is, you know, part of the equation and that R and B and rhythm and blues and rock and roll are at one point were the same term. Rock and roll was a synonym for rhythm right. and blues. And you look at the first year of the rock and roll hall of fame, you see, or the first two years, you see a lot of artists that you would associate with soul or rhythm and blues. You see Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin and James Brown and Sam Cooke, artists that we understand to be rock and roll. And like, they didn't like start with Chuck Berry and Ike Turner and like that kind of like foundational rock and roll thing. They didn't build the pyramid from there. I mean, they're they're up there as well. Chuck Berry is obviously inducted in, in the first year. Um, okay. Literally the first person inducted. Okay. But, you know, it was a stew of different things, you know, Buddy Holly and Elvis and Chuck Berry, but then also Ray Charles and, you know, these other. So it, it then, like you said, it, it does. I think it streams down, though, and then separates. But if you can still like kind of bring it back to the blues, like Chris was saying, carrying the torch for one of the defining things about rock and roll, which is that it is the exciting thing that young people are into as an as an attitude, as what was so the music was good, but the fact that it was young people for the first time in a meaningful way, defining what was mainstream and how that continues in the tradition with hip hop, it makes sense. Uh, why don't we take a quick break right now and we will be back with more, don't go anywhere. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break you uh, did something later that you should have done before. Uh, we are talking to, uh, at one point, it was the hosts of Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, Damone Carter had to sadly leave midstream, but we've got uh, Nate LeBlanc still with us. Nate, you said you had a question, and I told you to hold so that you could say it on the air. So what was your question? Do you guys talk about the current state of rock and roll? Yeah, in the sense where we're just like, uh, like who's what? the biggest rock band in the world right now? It's the fucking Foo Fighters. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. If you're mm -hmm. slightly cooler than that, maybe Tame Impala. Maybe. But yeah. I'm like, I think, I guess that to me, I'm like, isn't Tame Impala still like an indie rock band? I don't know. Are they filling stadiums? I have no idea. I don't know if they're, they're filling stadiums. They're headlining they're... festivals, which is the current mm -hmm. version of that. M yes. My boyfriend and I have had this conversation of like, what is the American rock band like? you know, what's the biggest, I don't, I won't say greatest, but like the biggest American rock band of all and time. He, yeah. And it always it, Springsteen. But if you think of him, if you think of Springsteen and Tom Petty as like solo artists, mm -hmm. like a named band, because I think Springsteen and the E Street Band is like the number that would be if you were not, if you didn't take them out of the equation for just being like a name. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the answer is Aerosmith. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I and, think and, it's Aerosmith. Yeah, it, it's, I don't um, want to close my eyes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. would love to close might, my eyes on that one. Right. But... Well, I mean, I guess what, what are the qualifications? Like, is it like who was the biggest and stayed around the longest? Yeah. Like the biggest, like who would be like our, like Beatles stones. Like you can't say Fleetwood Mac because Even of the like British Radiohead people. Because right. they're British as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Move exactly. The it's up like, a so bit. who is it? Who's the American, no. the like greatest, like the biggest American band of all time. I mean, probably the biggest American band of all time. If you're looking at record sales is probably the Eagles. 
Oh, wow. Just when you, that you're probably right. Maybe Eagles and Aerosmith are probably just right next door to each other on the worst street It's very hard to find a band where I'd rather listen to the Eagles, but I think we just did. (laughs) Cause the, I mean, the Eagles greatest hits is maybe the most successful album of all time, including every single album ever released. Like it is so, so popular. How much are record sales factored into rock and roll hall nominations? Well, the thing about that, the thing that kind of propels these conversations is that there is no actual metric. There is, they do not say, and the voters, we talk to voters uh, every year, everyone has to come up with their own rubric. They have to come up with their own. That's why it's so chaotic. Yeah. So you can be like, well, this artist didn't sell a lot of records, so I'm not going to vote for them. But as a voting body, there's, there's no collective decision-making. It's just often people are like, I like listening to this artist. I will vote for them. It's and you know we attempt. If you to don't be, give them any criteria, I can't can't fault yeah, them for the arriving only criteria at that conclusion. Is a time frame twenty five years from your first recording. That's it. That's the only qualifier. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's why on our show we make. Well, Joe has his little categories that are meant to like reverse engineer why an artist gets in, and like maybe we can use as a guideline to see if an artist will get in immediately, if it'll take some time, if. It's just not in the cards for them. And so you every once in a while you get an artist like Jay-Z last year where you go through everything and they're maxing out the stats. And it's like, yeah, there's no question this is going to happen. But then sometimes you get an artist like, say, the Go-Go's who maybe don't have the length of a career but did historic things and, you know, maybe have four songs that people know, but influential and so it it, you know it's a little more of a complicated grade and then you're like okay well then they will probably get in but it will just take a longer time interesting yeah going back to kind of reviewing the the history here of of hip-hop in the hall when the beastie boys were inducted on the ballot that year was another hip-hop act they've only been nominated one time they're going to have to get in at one point but i don't think the ballot is going to be the way through and it's eric b and rakim oh Mm -hmm. interesting yeah, I mean, um, they're obviously, it, it, it's kind of a complicated legacy with Eric B and a little unclear what his musical contributions were at times. Um, he wasn't the producer, he was the DJ, right? So um, Rakim is really, you know, he's the lyrical god. Like he, people mm-hmm. literally refer to him as the god MC still. Um, un- unironically, he changed the vocabulary of hip hop completely. He's probably the most pivotal figure in hip hop uh, writing, uh, turning more metaphorical and interesting and slowing down the tempo, bringing down the volume, uh, much less about a kind of a live performance and more about of a recorded performance. And so, yeah, if you're doing the most important people in the genre, he should be in there, I guess, but they, they did not sell a lot of records. Their cultural footprint far outstrips their sales and their even like kind of streaming numbers. Like the, the type of hip hop they made is not really culturally relevant, except for like ESPN bumpers in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys watched that documentary, The Last, the Last Dance. Dance. Yeah. Um, they had mm-hmm. a was... bunch of great hip hop in there, which is hilarious because the whole time uh, Michael Jordan was like listening to Al Jarreau or whatever. He has famously terrible <laughs> taste in music and did not like hip hop. He's a he's like an R&B yeah. guy, but it defines a time and a place 
but people don't actually seem to listen to it very much anymore, um, mm -hmm. except for, you know, guys my age. So um, that is fascinating. I would vote for Rakim to go in first ballot. Eric B and Rakim, I'd have to quibble because that's how I am. But, you know, they made their major works together mm -hmm. and that's you the know, group. So that's I was going to say, that's, that's the group. And my view is always put them all in. I don't give right. a shit. And I also think that like the more people of color you have in the in the hall, the better. It's just always a net plus to get more people of color in, regardless of whether they were the DJ or the MC. I think it's like, just do it, put them in. And also, you know, people aren't walking around saying, oh, yeah, rock him just solo he should get in or you know what i mean like it's just not happening that way like it, when you think of of like he, he also doesn't have a good solo album so he's never given you a reason to say that exactly yeah mm -hmm. so you, you take him however you can get him like the easiest yeah. way but i do i think what joe is also getting at too is that they will not likely get in through the main ballot like that's just i don't see that happening because we're moving no. on in a way right that is like what seems to be happening is like they put in Oh Gil my Scott gosh, Gil Heron. Scott Heron. They put in Gil Scott Heron in like musical excellence. Early or, influence. Or early influence. Last early influence. Year, yeah. So I think Eric B and Rakim could get in early influence. Early Which is influence on what? On hip hop. Hip hop. It's, I mean, he's, again, he's definitional proto rap, but do they have like a whole hip hop vertical? Is that where he, no. like, because he's certainly not an early influence on rock and roll. That chronology no, just no, well, at, this, at this point we're doing early influences on hip-hop yeah and like craft work got in on early influence last year so it's like yeah. again they should be the foundational building block of the pyramid for the electronic music hall of fame it, yes <laughs> for sure but the thing is the only hall of fame we have right now is the rock hall and that's where yeah. everything goes now it's like daft punk is getting into the rock hall someday mm -hmm. like that's that is without Eas a doubt easily. going to happen someday. probably I'm trying to do one joke per person maybe they'll get lucky <laughs> there we go i don't think they'll need to get lucky i think they've done their homework the the hall really is not built to induct eric b and rakim in the way that they have established they, your mom does not know who they are exactly yeah, and also if you can't get ll in forget main... it ll is 50 times more famous yeah. than rakim and like... so yeah it's it's that bottom line thing of they just don't have the name recognition regardless of the influence or the quality of the discography when it comes down to Do you guys to ever it, look at Spotify monthly listeners as a metric? No, we we you know fascinating stay way to look at the current world. That's a that's a good idea because um I mean the one time we really got into Spotify was seeing how many streams Eminem gets still. Lots. And that like old singles have gone diamond recently, uh, mostly off the strength of the Super Bowl halftime performance, but that Eminem is consistently one of the most listened to artists on Spotify. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this quote, but the rapper Earl Sweatshirt, who is like a genius and responsible for a lot of the current sound of underground hip hop, was very influenced by Eminem in his early work. But he said that people who still listen to Eminem need to stop drinking Mountain Dew and get out of the army. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. That is vicious. Yeah, I love but it. I, and by Spotify monthly listens, LL is three times as popular as Eric B and Rakim. Three million to one million. Good Lord. I'm just always surprised at like, what is the number one single according to Spotify, especially for like older bands. Like I, there's a whole article written about it, but it's like the most popular pavement song on Spotify is Harness Your Hopes, which is like... Yeah. 
it on a TV show? Was it on a, in a movie? I don't know. No, I, I actually do know. It uh, It's on a B-Sides collection, mm-hmm. and it, it sounds algorithmically like other songs people like, so it made a lot of the editorial playlists and those the things that the algorithm recommends after you listen to contemporary bands. Like, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, Canadian uh, dream pop band Always, and uh, after you oh, listen to I Always... Love yeah, they're great. New album is great. Uh, not as good as the first two. We can talk about that more. Um, they will play you that pavement song, and they they were they were right. I really like that song, and I'm not the mm-hmm. kind of pavement fan that listens to the back end of B sides compilations. But pavement has reunited, probably partly because of this uh, algorithmic explosion in popularity. And I bet you they're playing that on their new tour, and they had to relearn it because they didn't even remember they had that song. Their number one song is "Hardest Your Hopes" B side. Their number two song that has 83 million streams. Yeah. Their number, their number two most streamed song is "Cut Your Hair." Obviously, yeah, yeah and that, that, has, that's what I would have expected. And to be that has thirty-three million. So fifty million 50 less million streams. Jump. Interesting. And yeah. so it's wild. I just, again, to me, like older artists, like pre Spotify artists, you can't, I, you just have no idea yeah. how it's like, going to like unfold. If yeah. you were to go and be like, oh, yeah, I want to get into pavement. Let me see what they're all about. And then you go to their most popular songs and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, okay. So huh. stereo is number 10 right. below the Killing Moon BBC session. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, <laughs> cover, you know, like, Okay, it's very yeah. weird to me. Uh, so, but we don't we don't look at much Spotify streaming numbers just almost for that reason. In some ways, I feel like oftentimes the older stuff, it's like if it was featured on a TV show or if it was in a commercial or something, then you wind up getting an outsized version of what was their like best song or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's for me. It's just like if that's how people are listening to music, let's see what people are listening to. And we had a conversation about this when we were recording our podcast last night. We specialize in basically contemporary underground rappers or whatever you want to call them: art rappers, thoughtful rappers, unpopular rappers. We're not probably... calling them conscious anymore. No, we don't, <laughs> no, we don't no, do no. that. Um, and <laughs> we specialize in about the not yeah, conscious. I, I say that. I say that. <laughs> yeah, we're in the twenty to eighty thousand range. It's like the most of the people we cover. If you if you get someone who's up in the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a big guest for us. Um, and we think these people's popularity will bear fruit over time. We're kind mm-hmm. of like investing cultural capital in these people becoming the stars of tomorrow, if you will, or people mm-hmm. who are seen as important if they don't sell a lot of records now, which is basically impossible to sell records now in the oh, way yeah. that these cats make music. But we're really interested in their art and their artistry, and we find them to be fascinating. And so we want to talk to them. But I play a game with David Damone where I'll look it up and I'll be like, how many monthly listeners do you guys think they have? And no one can ever tell. It's just I've now done mm-hmm. it enough times where I'm starting <laughs> to get a rhythm with it. And so it's it's fascinating to look at that as a, a peek into a thing. It's not something it's not hard and fast. It's not you can't extrapolate a lot from it. It's just like, oh, interesting. Who do you think we should be listening to right now? Like who I, I will say I heard <laughs> was listening to the radio the other day. I feel like a, I mean, I'm not young, but I, I feel like I was very into rap and hip hop all throughout the last 20 years yeah. and then or 25, 30 years. And then I recently like rap that's played on the radio it doesn't have a, a chorus anymore and and i oh, feel we're, like we're well beyond chorus yeah we're beyond yeah. the chorus we're yeah, beyond uh, kind of like metaphor hook. even a hook. no we're not, not beyond seen... that we are beyond hooks we are beyond choruses we're we left third verses behind in the late 90s uh <laughs> rap songs now are short relatively mm-hmm. formless yes. and full of 
the most creative like firework inducing in your mind writing you will ever hear the rapper you should be listening to now is billy woods he's the best rapper in the world he writes every verse is a little short story i think man he's too high like miriam is my neighbor whoever it is moved in and put an automated gate up repainted brick walls atop which now cameras rotated by eight the place dark one light burn later razor wide like he has a group slinky. called arm and hammer with another brilliant rapper elucid and then i'm not trying to like stereotype you guys but if that's a little bit too much for you it's kind of scary intense music listen to open mike eagle like he he's our i buddy. know open mike eagle yeah. he's in la are you in la no, um, we're oh. uh, Mike is my friend. We're on his podcast network, and we actually just have had these. We helped him roll out his new album. We interviewed him several times for it. Then we hung out with him at a music festival, and he's like such a brilliant rapper and writer. And he just put out a new record called Component System with the Auto Reverse, which is heavily influenced by late '90s underground rap music of the kind we all grew up appreciating. So that that's a great record. Fly with my devices charged. I eat edible and write some bars. A script illegible. It's nice and large. And now wake when the lights come on. I'm really feeling. No, I love Open Mike Eagle. I, he used to do a lot of comedy, comedy shows, shows. here. As LA he comedians, like, yes. We, yes. you know, we've crossed paths mm -hmm. with Open Mike And he and Baron Vaughn used to have them, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. They have great. their TV show. Uh, Mike mm -hmm. has a song about the TV show getting canceled that's very affecting on the new record. Now, we were kind of talking about the, the things that make an artist, a hip-hop artist specifically, likely to get in. And it was interesting. NWA, it took four times on the ballot. And... Can you guess what happened around the time that they were eventually inducted? Uh, they wrote a uh, work of hagiography about themselves called Straight Out of Compton. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it, it was so obvious. And sold a lot of headphones. That, that, yeah. And started a three on three <laughs> basketball league. And basically uh, wrote MC Ren and MC Yella out of the group. Mm -hmm. I can keep going. I, I don't even don't even say the name Arabian Prince because yeah, totally. that was never <laughs> never part of the uh, of the story. But yeah, once once the movie came out, an, an artist that had been struggling on the ballot went in on this like it almost was like a reunion tour like year for them. Yeah. And so they had they, Snoop take the easy E roll. It's a, it was all meant to be. Those guys are brilliant. Um, we've we've interviewed DJ Yella on the show. Mm -hmm. um, not sure if you guys know this, and we certainly don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Had a second career as a pornographer. Interesting. Um, produced over 300 films is the way he put it to us. And we did some research and we were like, whoa, <laughs> erase browser history. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also wrote an autobiography. Nice guy. I don't think we're going to be able to talk to the other guys anytime. That's just not the world we inhabit in media. But um, I grew up, I mean, Ice Cube and Jay are among my musical heroes. Ice Cube, especially his uh, 90s run of albums from Death Certificate till about Lethal Injection are probably, you know, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if those records didn't exist. He's a great, great rapper and one of the great writers of all time. So, yeah, they should be in there for musical history. But NWA doesn't have that many good records. They've got about two and a half good records. I mean, yeah, some would argue one. Uh, yeah. But that one was so earth shattering and like what it begot was pretty seismic. But you know, the first year they were eligible was also the same year public enemy was eligible. So public enemy got in and then, you know, the next year they were on the ballot LL, they were trying him for the third time. So it was like, and then it was like, after this, it seemed like, especially after LL and MWA didn't get in 2014, it became four years. We we're just going to put one on the ballot hoping that that will clear the lane to get them through. Uh, and it more or less worked because you did eventually get NWA at the right time so in 2016. one out of how many rock Fif acts? 15 to 20 artists. So this is just straight up tokenism? 
Yeah, but you know, yes. I, I, I mean, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is also, I think, trying to make sure that a hip hop artist gets in though. In some ways you could see it as like clearing the lane for that act. And it was, LL was not getting in when he was getting nominated at the By same himself. time. Also. Exactly. By himself. And then in conjunction, it's like, you'll see it happen in certain categories. They'll do it for hip hop and rap. They'll do it for like metal. The Cure, Depeche Mode, uh, sad 80s. Uh, post-punk yeah post that, that was kind always of. always just one and so you got like Tupac in 2017 and then LL was kind of holding up the line because they would just put him in 2018 and they tried it in 2019 again and it just wasn't working and just so one thing on that Joe sorry to interrupt you well, I know please. you're on a roll here but like <laughs> uh we were talking a little bit earlier about like LL's cultural footprint and like Nobody has a dorm room poster of LL. Like tu Tupac is like the modern Bob Marley in terms of like merch and where the the place that he resides in the culture as this kind it of like might be that I, hero. It's interesting. I mean, living out here and but I see Biggie shirts on kids constantly. I work oh. with like junior high kids and they all come in and Biggie. Like, My parents love this guy's music and they bought me Biggie the shirt and at Tribe. Target. Those yeah. two, oh, that's I see cool. so much tribe shirts and Biggie shirts on like junior high kids. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like. I it. was a kid in a tribe shirt that I bought at Lollapalooza '94 that my mom's friend took me to because my mom didn't know what I was talking about. So uh, happy to see that the generations are continuing with the good taste. Um, yeah. yeah, LL doesn't. He's not a bad boy, and like I, we don't have to get into a whole thing about like the 27. Not a club bad or whatever, boy. The ladies but... love him. <laughs> Quite, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I, there's something to be said about. About, uh, your career having defined beginning and end points that makes uh, the judgment of your mm -hmm. uh, the summary judgment of your career a little easier for the voter who's not super engaged right absolutely yeah it it kind of cements the legacy sadly Is sublime man no no <laughs> they will be I, they might. I think it they, will take a very long might. time. I was, oh, I don't know. Like, though. we don't I even really have... don't think so. I I don't think that there's like Dave Matthews hasn't gotten in. Like the I mean, Dave like, Matthews didn't get in. Thinking of like, I don't know, Jane's Addiction and like Soundgarden and like other artists that haven't gotten in that I think of as a similar era. So they take Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but not Jane's Addiction or Soundgarden. Is that what you're telling me? I Soundgarden mean, will get in. But okay. you're right. I mean, that's how it, it works is like the big names get in first. And then maybe as we trickle along in the years, we will pick up some of the B team. And I say B team just in terms of like cultural ubiquity, because both Soundgarden and Jane's Addiction came before both those bands and set the stage for their success. But it's going to take a little bit longer for them. The same way you get Tupac and Biggie on their first year of eligibility. You know, Biggie was inducted in the pandemic year in 2020. And then we didn't get LL until the next year when he they did put him on the ballot again. But they also had Jay-Z on the ballot. The first time we had had two hip hop artists on the ballot since 2014. Wow, we feel so lucky. <laughs> Thank you, Rock Hall. Um, but obviously, Jay-Z Jay -Z walked in and then, you know, LL was also in the mix. And then they also threw in Gil Scott Heron as well. Um, and then they, you know, and when they put in Kraftwerk that same year as well, there was a was lot Gil of Scott Heron alive to accept. This was last year, so no. Okay, I'd like to think he would have thought this was all ridiculous. Yeah, given his, uh, you know, disdain for institutions, etc. But yeah, and th and that brings us to this year, which is, you know, we've got Eminem, and we've got, you know, Tribe was on the ballot but didn't get in, which wasn't that surprising. We were crossing our fingers, but 
Um, it goes, it goes back to that same question. Does my mom know them? And sadly, mm-hmm. the answer is no. Uh, but then we get Sylvia Robinson as well, which is cool. Just kind of knowing the context of this category, it's all white guys. I mean, like occasionally you get like a Barry Gordy or somebody, but you know, it is so many white guy label executives who are rich as hell. It's sad that Sylvia Robinson is no longer with us, but you know, to get a, a black woman who started this label and, you know, you can dive into the complicated history of almost every label executive you know there's dirt on anybody and exploitation etc but you know we have hip-hop representation in this category and that's a step i think in the right direction uh far be it for me to belittle the importance of representation but uh just not someone i think of as uh representing what i feel like is important about hip-hop culture so it's just i'm i'm just very ambivalent about this i'm like oh okay uh sugar hill has an iconic 12 inch sleeve design uh they signed g one of the first actually good rappers that's that's pretty great but her idea to take this thing that uh was only happening live and put it on wax was an important idea and founded in many ways the industry part of hip-hop but I, I don't know. It's just I, I, everybody's I, favorite part. Yeah. Can't Industry. feel a way about this. Commodification. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Kinda. And I mean, I'm. you guys are looking at a shelf of about 5000 rap records. They all start with her idea. And that's it's, it is really important. But, you know, there's no Paul Winley. There's no enjoy. There's no there's just like there's a lot of other people that were part of that stew, as we're calling it, or the cosmic gumbo. I don't know if you guys are. I think you should leave fans. <laughs> uh, um, watch but... the first episode of I think you should leave and you will see a, a familiar face. <laughs> I mean, oh, for real? But judging the baby contest. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so <laughs> impressed. I, like, you could not have said anything cooler to me. That's awesome. What's, what's, the, what's, the, li- what's the line, Kristen, if Taffy Lee Fubbins? If Taffy Lee Fubbins isn't the, be- isn't the baby of the year, I'll kill myself on live TV. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so dope. Um, anyway, Sylvia Robinson is not part of the hip hop story we're telling on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a complicated figure within the genre and... Right. I guess it's fine. It's kind of like if this category is going to exist, which is itself a kind of a complicated one that maybe doesn't need to work constantly. Like, do we need to be enshrining all these millionaires? But, you know, if it exists, putting someone like Sylvia Robinson in it is one of the best things you could do with a category that maybe like who gives a shit. Okay. Um, last thing, Nate, is we, we've pretty much avoided talking about Eminem, I gotta get, <laughs> I gotta get at least something. Gotta get the goods. We have to talk really fast and in full rhyming sentences. Yeah. <laughs> if you can really great, tr- really great uh, voice. Uh, I'm not a big Eminem guy. I I was too old for his style of rebellion. Like it, but by, by your metric earlier, he is an amazing technical rapper, and he pays homage to the amazing technical rappers of the past in a way that is admirable, and he doesn't have to do that something I said on the podcast in the early days, and I'll repeat for you guys, sorry for quoting myself, is I wish there was a way to listen to him rap without having to listen to his songs. I just think he's annoying. Yeah. And that he's getting worse as he gets older. And I don't get it. Except for that, I love to listen to people use language in interesting ways. And he really does. And no, you know, Pharaoh Monch is not going to sell 50 million records. So Mm -hmm. if you want to point to what good rapping is, he is an example of that. But you have to sift through so much bullshit to get to it. It's just really, really annoying to me. Um, And I wasn't kidding when I said I thought Infinite was his best record. He hadn't adopted the Slim Shady persona yet. He was just doing this insane full sentence structure rhyming that is extremely difficult to do over kind of underground 
groundish, you know, wouldn't make the radio production, which again is what I like. There ain't no time to be staring, gazing. I turn the stage into a barren wasteland. I'm infinite. You heard the hell when I was sick from it. I went to it serving a sentence for murder. Eminem is a complicated figure. He encapsulates a lot of what I think was wrong about um, late 90s, early, more early 2000s kind of TRL culture and the role that hip hop played in that. And he is the perfect rapper to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <laughs> based on all of, based on all of Ouch. the things I've said for the previous wow. hour. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Claws that out. is true. You know, it's I, I think, too, a thing that I realize about myself is that I came up late uh, uh, later a little later than you and like i think what i got into so much is like i love like rap i love hip-hop production like i love like timbaland i love kanye production that for me is what i think like now we're kind of getting to a point where actual like rap skill it's like being brought to the forefront with like trap music and things with just you're stripping down the production and you're putting the lyrics at the front uh which is it's a it's a new dawn it's a new day and i you know i gotta get on board in some ways something that i bring up a lot when talking about Eminem is is his segment in the Ice T rap documentary, uh, The Art of Rap. I would I don't like Eminem very much because I grew up around boys who thought that that was that it wasn't ironic. And so I have a lot of complicated feelings. But then I saw that his segment in The Art of Rap is like incredible. He's just so gifted as far as like being able to uh, flow. But you're right. And he's he, a student of rap. And he's, he's a obviously. student of rap. And I don't know if you guys know this. He wears he like gets T-shirts made with like OC on them and wears them at his concerts in front of 50,000 people. Like Very that's cool. that's so great. That's so mm -hmm. cool. That's he really, really does understand his role in all of this. And um, there's a there's a different path for Eminem if he had not been scooped up by uh, the, the aftermath machine where he's kind of like a scribble jam rapper. Do you guys know what scribble jam is? Is. It's it was a yeah. midwestern kind. Of, I guess you could call it like a conference in the um, early two thousands, where like your atmospheres and Saint is it Francis like the the the, you know? the Minneapolis type people. Sort of, yeah. It was in Columbus, but um, yeah, it was kind of the, where the Midwestern underground hip hop scene uh, coalesced, and they would have uh, very famous battles. And so to Eminem, being from Detroit, would be part of these battles. So you'd have like Eminem of My Name Is Fame, bat not yet, battling mm -hmm. Dose One from Anticon, who is another you know amazing technical rapper with a nasal voice, and they would be doing like what later came to be uh, lionized in eight mile in a more kind of like, if you can imagine just miles and miles of denim around everyone's uh, <laughs> legs and like kind of, you know, a hip hop shirt or like, a, you know, a triple five soul shirt or something like that in a backwards hat. That was, that's what scribble jam was. And um, there's more to it than that, but there's a, there's another world where, cause I don't know if you guys know this, he was on the sound bombing two compilation. That was the early days of raucous records, which is like a, I would call it like an overground hip hop label. It had uh, backing from uh, one of the Murdochs, and but, but like Yikes. put out the early records okay. by Most Def and Talib Kweli and Company Flow, and really defined the underground hip hop sound of the late '90s. I was obsessed with Rockus Records and on Sound Bombing too. Eminem has a song in there called Any Man, and it's like any man who would jump in front of a mini minivan. And there's a whole thing, and I've been told not to rap on the podcast. There's another world where Eminem goes on to become like a guy with a day job 
and an underground rap career who's really, really amazing, but never gets kind of the fame part of rap and maybe not mm-hmm. the drug addiction part of rap and mm-hmm. maybe not the. But then we never get rehab. Oh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I do you guys know who Cage is? And sorry, like you now started me. You wound me up and now I have to keep going. Do you, do you know who Cage is? He was mm-hmm. another rapper. He did an album on Def Jux, but before that he was on this, he had a 12 inch called Agent Orange um, on this uh, really, really influential 12 inch label called Fondalum from New York. And uh, he has a song called Agent Orange where he raps from the perspective of uh, Alex from the Clockwork Orange. And it's a song samples the Clockwork Orange and like uh, Eminem is like Slim Shady 1.0 kind of. Eminem is purported to have cribbed a lot from Cage's notebook. And they were, there was a time where they were equivalent figures and then Eminem just like shoots into the public consciousness and cage is now a guy who with a couple records under his belt who still kind of raps but has a day job and it's just it's very interesting to see the trajectories of this and you cannot fault the people who signed him for seeing that in him and putting it forth and the public ate it up so yeah he's an emblem of a certain kind of almost mythological figure for a lot of people who grew up at that time but luckily for us and luckily for the world at large he is also an amazing rapper and you have to give him his props for his ability to string words together yeah congrats to eminem uh, <laughs> in conclusion and i nate i, I know you, you got to get going so i, mm-hmm. I kind of final words uh I, i'll ask you the same question i asked Damone. you get a golden ticket and you get to induct a, a hip-hop artist into the rock and roll hall of fame right now who do you pick Cool G Rap, my favorite rapper of all time, a member of the Juice Crew, kind of the equivalent um, on Cold Chillin' Records to that early Def Jam roster. Biz Marquis would have probably been my second pick, though not a technical rapper, a personality rapper, as we call them on the show. But Cool G Rap is um, a, a technician, and listening to him rap is one of the great pleasures of life if you can decipher the high-speed flow. We just saw him live at Hyro Day a couple weeks ago, and he still got it. Um, and he's incredibly important to the type of lyrical attacking rap that I think is the best rap that there is. So that would be my pick. All right. Uh, well, Nate, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate for having us. Uh, you participating in Crocs Tover. Um, <laughs> the podcast oh is uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod. I almost and, forgot. Uh, what uh where can we where can we find you uh what would you like to plug etc yeah um everywhere podcasts are heard via the stony island network we also have a patreon patreon.com slash dad with extra stuff um we're on twitter and ig at dad pod and i want to give a special shout out to my man david ma the third leg of our a wobbly stool who is not able to be here today he is one of the finest hip-hop journalists in the world and has several different day job things so he couldn't make it he's actually teaching a class on hip-hop history at san jose state university right at this second um educating the youth but um we couldn't do what we do without dave and um he is our resident skeptic and if you ever ask him what he thinks of an album and he says i liked the beats it's about the coldest thing you can hear about someone's <laughs> rap. <laughs> incredible well, uh, our listeners know they can follow us at RockAllPod on Twitter and Instagram. RockAllPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to designate that somewhere in there. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it. She doesn't want to read it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less than five would be cruel and unusual. 
Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music. And thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Pozzala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.